Do you dream about your next trip? You're in the right place. On the Time to Talk Travel podcast, we come to you weekly to share places to go and what to do when you get there. Let's dive into this week's adventure. Hi, I'm Nasrina here with another episode of Time to Talk Travel with Des and Sharon and Mo. Today we are going to talk about a little hodgepodge of underrated and overrated and what we wish we could do again or knew more about before we did on attractions and destinations. So sometimes you hear these lists and people are like, oh, you have to go there. And then you're disappointed and wondering if you were the only one who had that experience or if there was something you were missing. And it just feels like you didn't unlock the destination fully. Des, have you ever been anywhere that made you feel like that? A couple places, but I don't necessarily think it's the place. I think it might have been the situation where, again, because it's so popular, you really have to do a little bit of planning. The one that comes top of mind is Santorini and the sunset right there in Ia, which is the section that has all the blue domes. You'll see on TikTok's real version and TikTok version where it looks stunning and beautiful, but the real version is you're packed in with all of these people like cattle trying to get the one spot. and You might stand there for hours waiting because you know you want to be the very front row. And that would be horrific if you didn't know the way around that is to actually stay in the section that has the blue domes. For me, I booked an Airbnb, so I got to walk past the crowds and stay there and just see the view right from my front porch. And I felt bad. I wanted to grab a couple people. In fact, I did. There was one gal who was on our flight who said she was staying in a section that was 30 minutes away. And I said, just come hang with us tonight. And it's my good deed traveler thing. I couldn't bring a hundred people, but certainly could sneak in one. And we took the most glorious, beautiful pictures from there and enjoyed the night of just watching the sunset. But again, that's that kind of thing. There are other places, but I'll let everybody else name their big one before we get into it. That's a tough uh-huh. one. There's so many that I was like, oh, wish I could have would have <laughs> in advance. But I think one probably for me was when I was in Amsterdam and I went to Anne Frank's house and didn't realize you had to buy tickets months in advance. So it wasn't even, oh, okay, I could come back and we were there for 10 days. You think, okay, somewhere in 10 days I could go in. But still saw it, still tons of history, still lots of big feelings there. But if now knowing that, that would have been an experience that I think you always think you're going to go back to these places. But the reality is you probably aren't because I also want to see so much more of the world. So that would be a big one for me. But Des says, I think we got a lot of places to talk about today. I will tell you because I just did Amsterdam. The tickets open up six weeks before. It's like a Tuesday six weeks before. So there you that go. Is- Yeah, doing that research because I booked my entire trip around waiting till I knew I had that ticket. See, you're smart. (laughs) For me, I'm I'm a last minute seat of my pants traveler. So I'm often finding myself in a destination that I did not at all plan to be in a month ago, which means that a lot of the things are sold out or that maybe it's not the best season to go. The best advice for enjoying a popular destination is to just let go of the must do's and then look at what are the the things that I actually want to do that are available to me because the must do's, if you try and force them in when you're out of season or where you don't have the right tickets, you're just going to be miserable. Don't plan a trip to go see Anne Frank's house without buying that ticket months in advance. If that's going to be the highlight of your trip, then don't go. 
So we were there for sale and we weren't there for specifically to be tourists in Amsterdam, but we took advantage of the day we had and we thought, oh, okay, we, you quickly pull up the things you must do in Amsterdam. And you're right, Sharon, if you're going to be last minute or whatnot, look at that and go, okay, those are going to be a next time kind of thing and take advantage of the things around. We had a great time. We, walking through the red light district with your teenage son is pretty hilarious. We created memories, even though that's not the one we got to do that trip. Yeah, I think for me, I went to South Dakota and it was for work. And my husband had come along with me and we're like, oh, there's so many things to see in South Dakota. We're going to do these attractions that are super popular. We went to Mount Rushmore and the Crazy Horse Memorial, and both were honestly disappointments compared to what I thought they were going to be. Now, some of it was maybe not being as prepared for it as I should have been because we were fitting them in on a trip, but we also went right after Sturgis. And so they had been so staffed up right before there were still a lot of people around. There were additional extra traffic lights that are temporary on different roadways. And so that was different. There were a lot of people Mount Rushmore, you see it in the pictures and you don't realize you don't get that close. That is zoomed in, showing it through the little viewer things. And it's just very different. It felt different than I thought it would. And then the Crazy Horse one, it's been under construction for years and years. Most of the memorial museum and grounds are focused around the artist, the sculptor's family versus actually Crazy Horse or any tribes out there. There is some tribal stuff and some stuff about Crazy Horse, but it is so focused on preserving the memory of the sculptor and his work that it feels like they are working on the monument at a snail's pace on purpose to maximize the profit on it. It had a very money grubbing inauthentic feeling to it that I really disliked. They had this light show at night and it was like music and lights against the monument that isn't even finished. And just, it was the most Disney-fied piece of tourist crap I've ever seen anywhere. It didn't really have anything to do with the monument or the tribe or crazy horse. It just was commercialism it made my skin crawl. It made me tacky. feel wrong being there. Sounds very tacky. It was. <laughs> we learned a big lesson on our honeymoon. This was like one of my biggest lessons as a traveler. My husband and I booked a honeymoon in the Caribbean and everywhere looked gorgeous in the brochures and in the resort literature that we were looking at the time. And we got there and it was an absolute dump. It was like, where's that white sandy beach? There's garbage everywhere. The trees are all dead. And I made an executive decision at the time, which I paid for many years because we were broke. But I was like, we only get one honeymoon. And this is not the memories we want to make. Sometimes it's fun. Like You just suck it up and you're like, haha, this will be a fun trip. But we booked into the Ritz-Carlton <laughs> like the next day and we shortened the trip. And we just said, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. And we had a wonderful experience. But sometimes you have to stay agile in those situations. Have a plan B, because sometimes even when you plan in advance and you do the research, it's not what you thought. 
I have a girlfriend, Bora is my dream destination. When I've had the money, I haven't had the man. Like I have it in my head as a specific, like I really want it to be this romantic, really sexy trip. I have it pictured. I don't want to be on the shore. I want to be on the hut over the water with the glass floor, seeing the fish. I have it in my head. And I have a girlfriend who went for her honeymoon and she said, I hated it. She said, it is not at all what I expected. Sure, that one villa, but so much around you is so much poverty. You just feel guilty the whole time you're there. And I thought, wow, not at all what I expected. And I'm not sure it's come off my list. Still, like, it's a <laughs> I must feel guilty myself. <laughs> but I have been to some of the other really beautiful resorts. I feel like Turks and Caicos was one where we drove to a Sandals gorgeous resort, but we drove through a lot that wasn't pretty. I know Sandals gets actively involved in helping the underprivileged around them, but I just really, it's eye-opening. Another destination that was eye-opening was Iceland. I know everybody is so hot to see Iceland and Reykjavik, and I didn't think Reykjavik was all that. We were snowed in with a blizzard, so we didn't have the option of doing all the excursions that we had planned outside Reykjavik, where they pick you up on the bus and then you go snowmobiling and you go in ice caves. We were pretty much stuck in Reykjavik, and there were about three things you could do, like a ship museum and a penis museum. And <laughs> There's I, always a penis museum. Like, why is that? Like, I got to say. Even, other than Amsterdam, I've never even heard of a penis museum. That was a sex yeah. My museum, daughter but... didn't want to leave the hotel room, so I went by myself to that, and I <laughs> found it very educational. Very educational, and I thought, wow, I've never... It really, it's worth your money if you're stuck, but I would much prefer to have been in the ice caves. But the real eye-opener disappointment part was, again, it was the Northern Lights. No one tells you they're not bright green when you see them with your own eyeball, unless they're super bright. It's just a white streak through the sky. And when you look through your camera, you can see the neon. It's like a phosphorescence thing flipped. You can see that with the naked eye, but not on a camera. You know what I mean? To summarize, if you're going to Reykjavik, TLDR, overrated Northern Lights, underrated Penis Museum. Pretty much. I'm telling you, I cannot wait to cut this as a clip about the Penis Museum being the underrated thing to do in Reykjavik. But also from a sales perspective, as someone who's worked in sales for most of my career, I always assumed that Iceland and Reykjavik might be a little overrated because they had to do an entire campaign about adding it on as a stop on other trips, which kind mm -hmm. of, to me, says no one was going there and people are going and it's being talked about because it was all of a sudden you were able to add on a second destination on your way somewhere else. That's the only reason I've been there is because it was a stop on my way somewhere else. I wanted to go. I want to see all the waterfalls. And I wanted to go when it was cold because I want to go in the ice caves. The pictures are stunning. You're standing underneath frozen water. They have the floofy horses, like the really pretty ones. I didn't get to do any of that because I picked the time when it would be cold enough to be able to stand in an ice cave, not expecting that they'd shut down all the roads because they had a blizzard. But that kind of goes for anywhere that you're chasing winter, though. True. You could be going to Colorado. You could be going to Whistler. You could be going to the Alps. You may not even get there. You might just be snowed in. You've got to be really patient and really flexible with your plans if you're going somewhere where mother nature reigns. Hurricane season. If you're planning a trip, a cruise, I'm telling you, I am always stunned at people who book cruises, especially September, October. That's mm -hmm. when the big hurricanes hit. Hit it in June if you're going. July. But once you hit September, October, those are when 
historically, the bigger storms have really clobbered. Anywhere from Florida straight through the Gulf. True. For destinations that are overrated, I think that we're all still working off a list of places that were the Grand Tour 60, 70, 80 years ago. We know we have to see the Eiffel Tower. We have to see Times Square. We have to see the Colosseum in Rome. We have to see certain things. And a lot of those things that are must-sees have been so beaten down by tourism for so many years. Or the other lists all exist off Instagram, where some intrepid warrior went and found some amazing place, but now everybody knows about that place, like Mm. Cinque Terre, and it's over-touristed and being destroyed. And it's interesting because we have these lists that we think we're supposed to go to places, but sometimes those places like Reykjavik are those stopover places have so much to offer. For me, Estonia was like that. Nobody goes to Tallinn, but most people, I think, show up there because it's an add-on destination to an itinerary of other things they want to see. But what a absolutely delightful and surprising place to go. Tallinn is definitely underrated. And Verona I was think- like that for us. Yeah, we were going from Lake Garda to Venice and ended up stopping in Verona. And other than Juliet's balcony, I was like, why are we here? But we actually really enjoyed it. And the wineries around there between the Prosecco region and the Valpolicella, like red wines, like, oh, my God, I would go back there in a second. But it was never on our original itinerary. I had the same experience with Verona. We went to Venice in the summer when it was incredibly crowded. And I know you love Venice, but like we got there in the summer and it was an absolute nightmare. And we couldn't find anywhere to stay. We couldn't find anywhere to eat. Everybody was scowling at us. So we ended up just outside of Verona and we had the most delightful time. I loved it. Overall, that I'm not disappointed by destinations frequently. There's been a couple, but in general, we have a mentality of doing a drive-by of sites or of doing them quickly. And I think that for my family, at least, that mentality of not planning a tour everywhere, not planning to go inside of everywhere. So for Washington, D.C., there's so much to do there and it can get overwhelming. Museums are open on alternate days. There's a lot of memorials. You can do a tour at each memorial. But what you really want is to see it, read a plaque, and get the picture. And so for us, sometimes... We avoid the disappointment by not planning too much at these bigger overrated attractions. Mm -hmm. Pike's Place Market in Seattle, great example. Mm -hmm. If I plan to spend a ton of time there, I'd be disappointed. If I go see them throw the fish and wander through and eat something, I'm happy. We went to the Vatican, but I had three small children with me. There was no way I was taking them in the Vatican. So technically, they've been there. We did go through the Colosseum and uh, Circus Maximus or the they did the chariot races and stuff. That was awesome because we were just told the kids to run it. We showed them the Ben-Hur clip and then they ran like the horses. <laughs> like you said, you can do the drive-by <laughs> tourist stuff. Yeah, we saw it, been there, check it off the list, but I'm not standing in that three-hour line and I'm not spending that kind of money because you can go like to a plaza, piazza around the corner. There's, there's always something else around that's fun and exciting too. But if you do have that must-check-off list feeling about a destination, like there's a photo you have to get or a thing you have to see or a place you have to go, plan it in advance. And my biggest tip is do a tours by local, a well-rated Airbnb experience where you're not cattle car in a bus with people trying to sell you rugs or stop at the glass factory or whatever add-on they have to make money off of you. Have you Just been get a local. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> clearly. Get a local who can get you in and out of 
those things where you need to snap a photo quickly and easily and get you those photos. And then they'll probably take you somewhere else. They'll take you to that other place that you really want to spend time in. Yeah, two things on that. When we were in Lake Garda, we had a lot of time to kill. So we did one of those Airbnb experiences where this woman taught us how to make pasta in her house in Italy. And it was amazing. And it was at the tail end of COVID travels. Tourism was down and everybody was being very creative in how they could make a buck. But that probably would be not something that would have been on my list in advance. But because we were like, what else could we do here that would be cool? And then One of the things we've now done in four different countries is hired fly photographer. And as you were saying, the places to go to get those pictures. So fly photographer is a company that hooks you up with a local photographer and they're amazing. I've done it in Venice. We've done it in Toronto, Canada. We've done it in Playa de Carmen, Mexico. We've done it in Miami. It's not easy to wrangle six to eight people for photos in a city you don't know. They take you to these cool little spots. They know where the murals are. They know where the lighting is and they make it quick and painless. My husband, my son, and my father hate family photos with a passion, but even they (laughs) have gotten over it because they know it'll be quick and painless. And we get those amazing pictures of that location that are very special. And the whole experience of, oh, I didn't even know this cafe was here or whatnot. So yeah, definitely tap into a local for that taste of behind the scenes. Some of my favorite experiences in over-touristed cities have been those Airbnb experiences. Like in Athens, we did a graffiti tour and we did a street cat tour. So those were the two oddball tours that we did there. But you know what? I ended up seeing different angles of, of, of all the runes and finding out some interesting facts and visiting neighborhoods that I never would have been in and discovering really cool cafes on those two tours that weren't even about that. That taps into another question that we did want to talk about a little bit. Where have you gone that you felt was underrated or not worth it when there was something else close by or what attraction close by? So I know for me, we went to Yellowstone, just didn't really hit what I thought it would be. It was a cool experience. I can say I was there. Some of the little areas through Yellowstone were definitely nicer than Old Faithful, but Right next to Yellowstone on the Wyoming side is Grand Teton, which was an amazing park that I think people don't always go to. So for me, I'd tell people going to Yellowstone, go spend a little bit of time, see Old Faithful if you need to, then drive right over here. (laughs) I'd say my top three that way that I hear a lot of people go and are disappointed about, or I was disappointed the first time, but I've been back enough. Miami would be one where people go to South Beach and they're like, this is tacky and too many people and crowded and whatnot, but there are a lot of beautiful areas like Coconut Grove and Coral Gables over to Key Biscayne, which are just a very different vibe. There's some great historical mansions you can go through. There's beautiful beaches. So it's a totally different experience than going to South Beach or downtown. I'd say New Orleans is another one where people go and they see Bourbon Street and it smells and it's got drunk people and pee and barf and very touristy. We've been to New Orleans so many times that my 12-year-old is, oh my God, not again. I don't want to go to Bourbon Street. But she loves walking down Royal, which is just a couple streets down, which has beautiful antique shops and artists and galleries. And it's literally a street over and you have an entirely different experience. Or you go out to the Garden District and you can go to Commander's Palace and do graveyard tours. Every city has a little bit, like if you just go One street over or one neighborhood over from where everybody else is going is usually where you find the treasures. And Niagara Falls, 
as the Canadian, you have to go to the Canadian side to see the good side of the falls. So don't go to the New York side, head over the border and go to the Canadian side. The Grand Canyon has two sides as well. There's a good side and a bad side of the Grand Canyon. And for the life of me, I can't remember now, but I have this feeling it's the north side that's got the great epic views and everybody always goes to the south side and then they're like, what? this isn't what they showed in the movies. They get very upset about it. Do your research. If there's something like a canyon, there's always going to be two sides. Go to the correct one. And I say also consider the timing. I did Amalfi Coast the first time. It was late February and it wasn't everything everyone described it to be for me. And I was really like, okay. I went again in April and it was so much better. Consider the timing of when you're going and that will totally change the entire dynamic. If it's in the South and it's stinking hot, go when it's not stinking hot. That's more like February. Like a hundred degrees, don't go anytime like what, May to September? Yeah, people say that about Venice. I love Venice, but I also went in February and Mm. October. I did not go in July when I'm told it reeks of sewage. I wouldn't know. I only know Mm. I love it. Really know yourself because sometimes we delude ourselves. I went to the running of the bulls and I thought this is going to be the coolest thing. I had some notion like I really wanted to see the running of the bulls, but it turns out I don't like sports. I don't like seeing gory things and people getting gored. I don't like drunken crowds and people pissing in the streets. So lo and behold, you know what? The running of the bulls probably was not the best decision. I was there at the right time and I was in the right place, but man, was I miserable. And that is for me overrated. We'll never go back, but I've heard other people like adore it. Wow. That's a great example. (laughs) I was going to say on the timing one, one that always made me chuckle a little bit, but also feel bad for them. When I lived in San Antonio, people come to see San Antonio. They come to see the Alamo and sometimes they're disappointed with the Alamo if that's the only thing they came with. Side note, if you're going for one thing, make sure you like other things in the city and want to do other things too. But the river area downtown, the Riverwalk, they drain the river every January. And tourists never know this, but they drain it and they pull the chairs and all the things that people have lost in the river. It is not pretty. It is muddy on the bottom. It stinks. And a lot of businesses will not be open as much or have the patios open because it stinks and it's not pretty. And definitely people not knowing that impacted their experience of San Antonio and that Mm -hmm. entire area because that is not what they were going for. (laughs) And I did it this, I did it this year in 110 weather and I wouldn't recommend that either. We had to just go in every like half an hour and cool off. It's too hot. When I was in Rome, they did the same with the Trevi Fountain. They drain it once a week and collect all the coins, which they then donate to a charity. When we were there, we were fortunate that we booked a stay that was literally across from the Trevi Fountains. We had a view of it every morning, afternoon, night. We could walk out whenever. And it was pretty, I felt horrible for the people who could only come by and see it for that two hour jaunt and saw it empty. It's one of those things on the must see list. I'm feeling very lucky that I got to see it full and I didn't know, I live in Texas and didn't know they drained the river. Learning lots today. So I just popped over to Cozumel for the day and saw like the touristy part where the cruise ships come in. 
but I'm going back in February and I'm really looking forward to now knowing, okay, you can rent a Jeep and you can go find these other cool beaches. And my friends have told me about this awesome restaurant off the beaten path. And so I think that sometimes it's good to be able to go the first time and you get the feel for the place and then be like, okay, now I really want to see the different side of it. Where would you guys go back to that? I would go back to San Sebastian and Biarritz. I, I ended up there after the running of the Bulls in Pamplona when I was like completely miserable. And at the time I was younger, broker. It was very last minute, but it was very beautiful, really amazing and magical. And since then I've learned I have a lot of family history in the area. And I actually, I'm like 1% Basque, weirdly. So I would love to go back to that area and experience it a little more properly. I would go back to Iceland. I would do that. <laughs> I want to do it where I'm not stuck in a blizzard. It, no, without it, a blizzard. <laughs> that would be a good one. I bet your daughter, you said your daughter wouldn't go back though. She will never go back. She had that bad an experience, but I really want to go stand in an ice cave. I really want to do the scuba diving between the two continents where you can touch. I want to snow more, snowmobile over the glaciers. I want all that. That sounds amazing. I didn't even know about the scuba diving between two continents, and now I'm going to go Google it afterwards. Touch two continents at the same time. That's, That's cool. Insane. That's cool. Sounds That's very cold, cool. that trip, but that part sounds cool. <laughs> so I visited Finland on a cruise. So it was a very limited time there, Helsinki, and I remember thinking that it didn't feel the way I thought it would feel. I know everyone loves it. People talk about going to Finland. I've seen things since then with more videos and items around the entire area. And I think I just, I didn't have enough time and I wasn't in the right mindset. So I'd love to go back there because I feel like I didn't have the experience of it that I normally would have had. So that's one I would put back on my list. I think with cruises, you need to keep that in mind. It's our drive through of places. You get a taste of it, but you really don't have enough time to explore and really give it its full I think I just liked everything else. So even in the one day or two days that we were different places, I connected with it. I liked it. I wanted to go back. And there was something, just a vibe about Helsinki where it felt sad. But then I keep saying that they're the happiest place. Finland is the happiest people. So I feel like I have to give it another chance. <laughs> give it another go. And that has been this week's episode of Time to Talk Travel with underrated, overrated, things we wish we knew, all the mistakes we made so you don't have to, and where we'd like to go back to. And if you have been somewhere and you have thought to yourself, wow, why do people say this is cool? Leave us a little note. We'd love to hear about it. Thank you.